Welcome to the broadcast of the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Our desire is that today's message will multiply God's grace to you. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. We'll repeat that number again at the end of our broadcast today. But now, here's our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. God's saving of Rahab out of her dark society and out of her own dark sin of prostitution had nothing to do with some spark of the divine in Rahab as opposed to all those around her in the city of Jericho. It had everything to do with the work of God deep in her heart that was all of His love and all of His grace. And if you've come to Christ, this is the only explanation for your salvation as well. She had no greater capacity of reason than any others. She had no higher principle of moral thought than any others. Her life was dark. Her world was dark. God in grace, in loving, electing grace, took her who was not the people of God and not the people of faith and made her one of his holy ones. And the same goes for you. If you think somehow you contributed, if you say, well, I think the reason God reached me was because, you know, I really was a little bit better. I was a little bit more, are you kidding me? You don't know yourself. God had to do it. Rahab had faith while she was surrounded by unbelieving people who were set aside to perish in their unbelief. A.W. Pink points out something quite wonderful. It's found in the song that Moses sang when he crossed over the Red Sea. It's found in Exodus chapter 15. Take your Bibles for a moment and turn there. After the nation of Israel crosses the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 15, Moses grants in song a prophecy of the impact of this miraculous event of the rescue of the people of Israel from their bondage and their escape from Egypt through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15, verses 14 through 16. Listen to what Moses said will be the impact of this event. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be like a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. It's interesting, he's prophesying another passing over and a fear that will come upon the people because of what happened at the Red Sea. The people pass over the Jordan River 40 years after this prophecy takes place. As they pass over the Jordan River, it triggers a rumor through Jericho, not only of this event, but of a greater event when the people pass through the Red Sea. And they're filled with fear. And 40 years after this prophecy takes place, two spies come to Rahab, and Rahab tells them how this prophecy of Moses has been fulfilled and how it's impacted the people in Jericho. This is what she says in Joshua 2, verses 9 through 11. Turn there for a second. Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. This is how Rahab reports the fulfillment of what Moses prophesied. She says this, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the fear of you has fallen upon us, 
and all the inhabitants of the land, listen to the words, melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And then Rahab offers her own confession of faith. This is not the confession of all those around her in Jericho. They're just afraid. They're just filled with fear. Here's her confession of faith. For the Lord your God, He is God in heavens above and on earth beneath. Actually, you'll see that her statement here begins with a confession of faith and ends with a confession of faith. I know that the Lord has given you the land. For the Lord your God, He is God in heavens above and on earth beneath. And there's Rahab's faith. There's the starting point of Rahab being brought out of her sin and brought into the people of God. But look here, even though God had stirred the people of Jericho to fear him, only one among them believes in him. As the people of Israel marched around Jericho day after day, we should understand this, that they marched around a group of people who were filled with fear by the power of the Spirit of God. For seven days, they marched around Jericho. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And as the people looked on and watched, they were filled with fear, but they never came to confessing faith in the God of Israel. They could have. The opportunity was given to them. The Spirit had caused them to fear. There's a moment in that fear which they could have confessed that these people are going to conquer because their God is the God of heaven and earth, but they don't. Instead, as God lingers in His judgment over the people of Jericho, day in and day out, giving them an opportunity to confess, as Rahab had confessed... As a band of slaves march around beneath their walls, instead of confessing, their hearts become hard and they refuse to let fear lead them to faith. They refused. Yet even before this moment, a word had been spoken to Rahab that she had heard through the power of the Spirit of God and it led her, it triggered her to believe, to believe among all the people. That's... Incredible. That's wonderful. That's profound. Again, you can't explain this because she had something going for her that was better than everybody else in Jericho. Just kind of interesting, and I'll just give this as one aside and then we'll, we'll leave off for this morning. And the one aside is so interesting how one little word can be used of God to trigger a movement of saving faith and we can't explain it. Just one little phrase, one little word God can use by His Spirit to fire it into the heart of an individual. I remember hearing the story of a woman. I was doing a funeral for a lady that our family had known by the name of Maddie. And there was a woman who came to the funeral and somewhere in the service there was an opportunity for people to go and speak about the impact of Maddie's life. And Maddie worked as a little janitor in a grade school where this woman was a teacher. And Maddie would come through each afternoon to clean up and clean up the room that this teacher was in. And this teacher was impacted by very the spirit that Maddie would bring into the place as she'd come and clean. And on one occasion, this woman asked Maddie how many children she had. And Maddie said, God has blessed us with one. That was Maddie's answer. Oh, the Lord has blessed us with one. And this woman said, it's interesting in your life. I saw my life as a life that was just completely steeped in darkness, but I see how my life was in this dark black hall, 
how God wonderfully and graciously throughout my life would allow one person to sign some ray of light or truth that would come into that hallway and he led me to step into that light until he brought me to himself. And when Maddie said that, the light popped in front of me in this dark hallway. Here's the Lord who blesses. Here's the Lord who blesses. It's not long after that that Maddie asked this woman to come to her home to be a part of a Bible study, and she responded. And there at the Bible study, she found Jesus as her Savior. She found the Lord who blesses. But it began with one little word that the Spirit drove to her heart, which is, the Lord has blessed us with one. My father's testimony. He left home to go off to college, and he told his mother, I don't know what the truth is, but when I find out what the truth is, I'm going to pursue it with all that I have. He took up in his studies at the University of Florida the study of philosophy. He was refining himself, got himself to where he could wear tweed jackets, uh, you know, with leather patches over his elbows, smoke pipes. I've got pictures of him. He's like 20 years old with a, a tweed jacket, a leather patch, smoking a pipe, trying to look the part of a philosophy student. He's trying to show that he's urbane and intelligent, but the problem was he had a potty mouth. He had a mouth that he couldn't control. He couldn't stop using, among other things, primarily the Lord's name in vain. It was woven into the very fabric of which he communicated. He, he tried to stop it by putting a coin in a jar every time he'd use a bad word, and all he did was fill up jars of coins. And he was on, I believe it was spring break, and he was with a friend who had recently come to Christ by the name of Tommy. And during that time, my father was speaking as he spoke and was not able to stop doing. And Tommy stopped my father and said, Barry, I hate to tell you this, but someday God is going to judge you for the way you use his name. My dad said, that, you know, I, I wanted to just make him look like a fool right there. And I opened my mouth because I could have. I was smarter than him. At least I thought I was. But immediately a thought came to me, why say anything or why make him look like a fool? Because what he's saying is true. And I said to Tommy, how can I escape that judgment? And that night, my father found escape from his judgment and salvation through Jesus Christ. One phrase, I hate to tell you this, but someday God is going to judge you for the way you take his name in vain. My brother-in-law, Mike, went to Cambodia some years ago. In Cambodia, he was meeting with a Buddhist family. The mother of the family, an older woman, had taken some type of vow to priesthood. She was wearing the garments of a Buddhist priest, a certain color. She had had her head shaved. She was offended that he had this Westerner coming with his religion. So she was sitting on the edge of the couch where he was meeting with the rest of the family, looking with her back turned, not acknowledging the conversation they were having about the truth of the gospel. Mike just spoke to the children, the, 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 the woman's daughter and son-in-law, or son and, son and daughter-in-law, I don't know which one it was. Mike is speaking to them. In the midst of the conversation, they're towards the end of the conversation, and Mike opens up the Bible and reads Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just, he just reads it. And it's being translated to them. And as soon as it's read, this woman whose back is turned and looking away spins around her seat and says, What did they just say? What did they just read? And she slides over to where the daughter and son-in-law are sitting and said, Read that again. Read that again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Read it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And she's wonderfully saved. God has blessed us with just one child. Someday God is going to judge you for the way you use his name in vain. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One word, one phrase, but somehow God crafts it wonderfully 
And he prepares that person wonderfully by his sovereign hand upon their life from day to day in order that that word at that time and that moment would pierce their heart. There's no way to explain this. There's no way to understand this. And that God was at work. The only way we can understand this, this is not an expression of Rahab's abilities or the person who receives God's words' abilities, of their unique psychological advantage, of their intuitiveness to find the truth of the right answers. We can only say of Rahab that she had experienced what Lydia experienced in Acts chapter 16. There it says that God opened her heart to respond to the things that were spoken to her of Paul. God opened her heart to receive the words that were spoken to her. She is wonderfully saved. One last application. Why you? Why not your brother? Why not your neighbor? Why not your classmate? Why you? Why you among those young kids that you went to school with? Why you among those that you played ball with outside your house? Why you as opposed to other members of your own household? Why you? Maybe the word of God's saving grace came to them like it came to you. But somehow to you it came in power as the power of God unto salvation. A spark of hope and conviction sounded behind it with such a force it had changed your life. It brought you to surrender all you had to Him. When with others, it only brought maybe a moment of excitement. This has been the Bread of Life, the ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.